0: So, samadhi is a beautiful feeling of relief. And so we have to understand it as relief from certain things. And the Buddha has given some beautiful similes about ordinary life. And ordinary life is full of the five psychic harassments. The psychic irritants, there's so many ways to say it, the hindrances, the bummers, <laughs> however you want to think about it. The first is an illness. To be, what does it feel like when you get over an illness? Pain in the body, or nausea, or dizziness, or fevers, all kinds of these illnesses. So jhana and samadhi are the equivalent of being free from illness. And what is this illness that we experience regularly? Of course the body, but it is actually anger and any form of aversion Disapproval is a form of illness that always comes connected to a very unpleasant feeling. So one of the ways we can know about what samadhi is, is that it's the opposite of feeling sick. It's to feel really well. I mean, you get this feeling of wellness in the company of, you know, sometimes good friends. and, And I come back to this essentially... It always comes back to the best feelings we ever had in our life, and that is some form of completion, some form of feeling together that is collected within oneself, feeling healthy, feeling centered. Feeling present. Whenever you've had those feelings, those are the kind of feelings that are intrinsic to the samadhi, to jhana. And the opposite is this anger. The second one is debt. Is being burdened, the feeling of being submerged. In debt, some of you might not have had the pleasure of being in debt. (laughs) But if you can relate to, you know, gigantic student loans or heavy mortgages with not being able to figure out where the money's going to come from or debt. Even, there's all kinds of debt, like you owe somebody something. You have some relatives that you really do not particularly enjoy their company, but you kind of have a debt to go and deal with them and whatever. There are debts. And what does it feel like to be out of debt? That's a feeling of relief. Profound feeling of relief. Debt is an interesting thing because part of it is there is a certain amount of joy in getting the money, (laughs) but then you have to give it back, right? So debt is the simile for desire, wanting, wishing for, hoping for, and that has its upside, the anticipation of getting what you want, but at the same time, the lack of having what you want. So, the Buddha talks about a person who has taken out a loan on a business, and then it comes the day when they actually pay off the the mortgage, the loan, and they feel just unburdened. Of course, there's lots of mortgage-burning parties, etc. So this is desire. And samadhi is the mortgage-burning party. It is the final payment on the debt. It's gone. So samadhi has a couple of characteristics. One is it just positive in itself. It's a positive, beautiful feeling. But it also partakes... Of relief. There's a little kind of awareness and voice in one that is just celebrating being out of this, over the sickness and out of the debt. And by the way, those two can come and you can have both. <laughs> and in fact, it's a particularly interesting experience that people, when they get sick, they often go into debt as well. So they feel the debt mounting up, and there's nothing they can do about it, the sickness. So you can imagine if some nice person comes along and cures your illness and relieves the debt, that would be nice. Very, very nice. In fact, you are isolated from this... uh, little thing going on in the world today. I mean, this talk will now be dated to the coronavirus. (laughs) But one of the big problems is for a lot of people who are not wealthy and and so forth is that they can't afford to be sick. And yet, that's how it spreads as you go to work because you can't afford not to go to work and you go to work sick and that's how it starts to spread. (laughs) So you you got this terrible dilemma between debt and illness. The next one is that when you go to work in debt <laughs> with the sickness, you work for a terrible boss. <laughs> and this boss never lets you sit down for a moment. This boss is bossing you around all the time. You're tired, and the the hours are too long. And still, you're not left to rest. Now, you can imagine if you managed to get free of that job, and you went to work for somebody who was appropriate and compassionate and it was a pleasant thing that you enjoyed. And that's the feeling. This is the drivenness of agitation. So this is the Buddha's simile on agitation. is that It is a type of inner boss that never lets you rest. Never lets you finally sit down. It, it's always bossing you around. It always is telling you there's something you have to do. Something you have to think. Something you have to worry about. Something you have to do. It won't leave you alone. So samadhi is having quit that job, free from that boss. You do not have anything that you have to do anymore. And you can feel free to be at ease and enjoy yourself. And then there is prison. <laughs> you could all of these could be coexisting. You could be ill, <laughs> in debt, have a bad warden, <laughs> and be locked in a cell. <laughs> and that being locked in a cell is the heaviness of lack of energy and sloth. And that is the feeling of being weighted down, trapped, unable to be free, heaviness. And this is also lifted in samadhi. So one of the characteristics of samadhi, all the samadhis, is that you really feel that you are not being suppressed. Suppressed held down you are energized you feel free so samadhi is a state of health good health and also an appreciation especially if one is discovering samadhi or it's not a part of ordinary life for them but they're coming to it they will feel this extra dimension of relief from all of these normal conditions will feel a relief from the normal, frequent illnesses that we have. Now, the frequent illnesses that we frequently are angry, at least annoyed, sometimes irritated, sometimes furious. This is just a common part of existence. And we are In a state of lack, the credit card is calling you, (laughs) needs to be paid off, you're being bossed around, you spend time in a closet or under a staircase, confined, feeling trapped, and last but not least, your daily venture into the crossroads where you don't have a map. I can imagine being a salesperson that has to go to all parts of the cities and you're always having to make decisions about these crossroads, Which, which way is it? That is the simile for a merchant in a caravan Traveling in dangerous lands and they come to a crossroad and they're not sure which way it is to this possible market in a strange country And yet it's dangerous to stay there Bandits So you have to make a move, but you're you can't And then finally some sign comes along you see birds in one direction or you see smoke or something like this, and then you, ah, you feel this relief. That's the way. That is the fifth hindrance of doubt. It's summarized in the feeling of anxiety, where you can't, you don't know whether to go backwards or forwards. You know, this kind of human condition of fight or flight. Animals all have it, and we have it. We used to be animals. We're a little bit better now, but we still have it. We just don't know whether to run or fight, you know? That's anxiety. It was paralyzed. And it's also doubt, the nature of doubt, and why it feels so uncomfortable. You can imagine that's a beautiful scene that the Buddha paints of this caravan leader, not sure which way to go, and yet you can't stay there. (laughs) It's a very uncomfortable feeling. (laughs) So... Samadhi is the dissolution of doubt. You don't feel that way. You are not in doubt. There is not a feeling of the decision between fight or flight. You feel relieved. You have made the right choice. And samadhi tells you you have. It tells you there's nothing to fear. It tells you everything's all right. And so if that arises within close proximity to having had any of those hindrances, then you're going to feel two things. You're going to feel the pleasant quality of this stillness and the joy of just appreciating it. And also you're going to feel sense of gratitude and relief. I think whenever we feel relief, we often feel grateful and we'll feel grateful for a lot of things, mostly other people, because we learn about this possibility in life from other people and we also, we might feel kind of an extra dimension of it because we realize that a lot of people will never hear this. They'll never hear about such a thing as samadhi or jhana or the possibility of liberation through insight and enlightenment and that means they would be condemned to a very hard life, and there's a lot of people that on this planet that live a very, very hard life. They, they live in hopeless situations of poverty and fear, and there's no way out. And why is that? Of course, quite often it's because a uh, lack of skills, education, and so when skills and education are brought in and one learns how to make a livelihood and how to improve one's life one has enormous gratitude for that because there's a relief of all kinds of distress and pain and problems eh? so this teaching on samadhi is is the skill it's truly wealth and how to make a livelihood As the Buddha talks about the blessings of having skills that give you a livelihood, and how to use that is also part of the skill, and how to maintain that, and if you're being in a situation where you can't make a living, it's a terrible thing. And so, it's a blessing, but it's still, it's still outward. And of course, there are people who make a livelihood, and still are experiencing all of these harassments these psychic irritants so this is really the skill the inner skill that allows you to escape the the impoverished inner life the ignorance and impoverishment of not knowing how to live the good life, how to feel the good life, because it's not an idea about the good life, it's the feeling of the good life. So samadhi is the feeling of the dharma, which is described, it's endlessly described as, as beautiful. and something which is devoid of feeling is not beautiful it's there's it's always a beautiful feeling and so it can be had in the midst of all kinds of situations and uh and strangely enough you can be in debt sick and have a bad boss and still have samadhi <laughs> and still be well <laughs> you can even be in a bad monastery <laughs> The bad habit, <laughs> and still feel well. <laughs> so, this is a, a profound skill which transcends situations. And that's a nice word transcendental. Of course, you'll make the association with transcendental meditation, but it's not that. There is, in Buddhism, transcendental meditation. Transcendental is a nice translation of the chain of dependent origination in the positive direction. So often we see the, the structure of conditioning shows how, how you are trapped, how one thing leads to another, but it also works in the reverse direction. When certain causes are put in, they inevitably transcend or rise above and cross over, to transcend is to cross over into a dimension of being which you cannot cease from praising it. If you feel it, you never can say anything bad about it. It's like a beautiful person that comes into your life, very, or it's hard to come across really beautiful people that come into your life, but dogs, now there you go. So there's a lot of them dogs, cats, I mean, just, what do you say, at the end of their lives, their 12 year life, you know, it's like, wow, you know, 100% loyal, always loving, never judgmental, what can I say? And just eat anything they get. <laughs> always up for a walk, always. So, this is something you you have a heart connection with, but the samadhi and the experience of it is of that kind of beauty, you know. We have figures in history that inspire us, and people in our lives that inspire us, and we just, they're, we never think of them without feeling some beauty. And that's the word kalyana, beautiful, beautiful friends. We never think of them without a feeling of appreciation and beauty. So, if we find our way to this samadhi, we can never think of it except as beautiful. It's almost like a beautiful city, you know. I don't know. Venice or someplace like that, you know. These cities, they're metaphors, really. Of course, the Buddha himself uses this the city of Nibbāna. He describes Nibbāna as a city. So he's talking about the beautiful proportions and etc. of these states that you enter into. It's like entering into another dimension. Of course, we also talk about it as the mansions of heaven. It's also, in, in other spiritual traditions like Christianity, they talk about the mansions of heaven. These are beautiful emotional states which you could never have a you can never say a bad word about it, you can never have a bad thought about it. You can never regret it, you can never you can never see it in a critical light. Any kind of great literature or art, it's only great in that there is some notion of that possibility, the the truly good, the truly beautiful. And all tragedies have to do with the absence of that. Tragedy has to do with separation from that beauty. And comedy is always about the reunion with that. Is getting it back together. Comedy really doesn't mean a lot of laughter. There might be the side effect might be, a laugh of relief, or you can laugh at the sheer beauty of things as well, sometimes. But it's that kind of comedy. Comedy just that. It's not just funny. It's union or reunion. So samadhi is getting yourself together. It is your you actually have uh parts and the parts are in a bit of a unharmonious relation to each other. And when they are readjusted and set back in their proper way, this is the this is the seven factors of enlightenment are are appearing. The jhana factors are appearing. And when they appear, then it's harmony. There's like an incredibly beautiful chord has been played. All of the notes are in the right place at the right time. And maybe that's what people feel. That's what music can do as well. And remember, the, the Buddha talks about this, a musician comes to the Buddha, or somebody who appreciates music and says, when you're talking about this samadhi or this jhana stuff, that sounds like what I experience when I listen to music. And the Buddha says, yes. He says, is that samadhi? When, am I having samadhi when I experience that kind of bliss and joy and uh focus and attention when i at absorption when i listen to music and the buddha says yes it is samadhi but it's miccha samadhi it's the wrong one so now this is a very very important story I, I knew this story for a long time because i was a musician but uh it always ended with, yeah, but it's the wrong one. It's like the punchline of the story. Yeah, yeah, but it's the wrong samadhi. It's an incredibly important story because that's a supernormal state. It's actually when you're really enjoying and really moved and absorbed in music is a supernormal state. It's not your normal state. That's why people like it. Especially in days before recordings, it's, you know, you have to wait for a live performance, and it's, and uh, it's a special kind of occasion, and so forth, you can't just command it. Now, with recordings, you, you have your favorites, and so forth, and you can sort of reproduce the situation, but then, of course, sometimes it's just, the magic's gone, you know, even the great piece doesn't move you, you know, you're hoping it will, but it doesn't, you're not, you're not able to absorb into it. So, but this is very, very important because the Buddha is saying, yeah, all of these characteristics of samadhi are there, and the only problem with this is that it's externalized. It's based on sound, the structures of sound, and why music does things to us is a couple of reasons. But you know, it can be just beautiful sound, but also the struct, the uh, forms in the music that the shapes and the anticipations and so forth in the music. But anyway, these are what are producing the jhana factors. You're you're experiencing joy, and you might have pleasure sweeping through your body, so the sukha. And the ekagata is the, you're absorbed into it, you're lucidly and fully attentive to it. And you can even, in the midst of it, you can also be, kind of thinking about it. Wow, that was. I wonder where that. You know that. Oh, that's that theme that comes. Up. Yeah, I heard that before. You that that process is vitaka and vichara, applied and sustained thought and attention. And if you get into it, then it's vichara. So that's the second jhana, where like the first jhana is usually has this. These two terms, vitaka and vichara, which is vitaka is uh, applying and vichara is sustaining. So, like hitting a bell, the strike is vitaka and then the ringing is vichara. So, your mind strikes against an object of your attention and sustains on it. And then, but sometimes it, you strike on the object and then your mind wanders a bit and you lose it. Once once the mind is immersed in it, it's vichara, it's sustained in there. So when you're trying to develop your the inner music, you know, you have to borrow from... Uh, this is why the Buddha is so full of similes and metaphors. The only way to ever learn is like, you have to relate it to experiences in your life. So these are... This thing is a very beautiful experience. So I'm talking about... Love, uh, be- intense relationships, love for a child, love for your mother, love for a lover, a lo- love for your dog, <laughs> uh, love for literature or art or music. This is what the world kind of calls the higher, you know, the highest, most beautiful things. So the Buddha is saying, yeah. So you want to have that beauty, but you want it from another source. So you you really want to borrow from your own experience. And this is why we use these similes, and why the Buddha is always using these similes, so that you can have something. Otherwise, this language means nothing. Applied and sustained attention, piti, sukha, ikagata, what, what is that, you know? It's meaningless unless you can relate it to something you've experienced in life. Otherwise, it's just you don't know what, it, what he could be talking about. It's kind of like if this was a math class and I was the student and somebody was talking about quadratic equations. <laughs> I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know the term properly. I would be sitting there thinking, uh-huh. And, like, it would mean nothing to me. Nothing. (laughs) I'm sure there are people in the audience that actually know what a quadratic equation is. I do not. And it would be, unless that math professor brought me along from algebra, maybe. (laughs) Let's start with addition. (laughs) Somehow brought me along showed me somehow, related to me somehow, it would be meaningless language. It would be just absolutely meaningless language. And quite often in these attempts to talk, when monks or people talk about jhana and so forth, they're, almost, they're using meaningless language. Unless you can relate and bring a person along from some experience that they can relate these words to those words mean nothing and so we have to and that's why the buddha does that he well you know so my name is sona and sona is this character in the time of the buddha who played the musical instrument what do you think the buddha talked about with sona uh, he talked about, uh, you know, tune, tuning the instrument and how did it sound when you turn it slack, and how does it sound when you turn it tight, so forth, and how, then the music flows, right? The music flows. Now, take that idea and apply it to your your practice, yes, and then the, if, you, if you walk all night and you make your feet bleed, then that's too tight, isn't it? <laughs> and if you sleep all day in the hammock, then that's too slack, and... None of those will make good music, will they? <laughs> so we really need to reach in also into our own life to find the similes. these are the bridges. This is how we get there. say, where What is this about? What am I trying to do here? It's apparently something beautiful. What do I remember? Having experienced as beautiful, what could I imagine having experienced as beautiful? So we want to reach in and say, now, can I bring that, can I find my way to that? And so, but I'm going to use these tools instead of going, we're not all going to just bring out the stereo and listen to Mozart. We're going to, we're going to use the breath, but we're going to have a motivation. We're going to say, "What, what am I... What am I trying to get to here? I'm trying to find my way into this. And something is very beautiful. First of all, it's beautiful because all of that stuff, the illness, the debt, the bad boss, the, <laughs> the prison cell and the crossroads are gone. I'm not allowed to worry not allowed to be angry it can't be any of those things that has to go and isn't that nice really nice not to have to that includes remorse guilt regret fear for the future fear for the present all of these things you're being Invited by the Buddha to say, just stop that. And he's not he's not asking what you may have done or what's coming up in your life or anything like that. He's saying I don't care. You have to drop those feelings. You can't these it's mutually exclusive. You cannot have those things and enter into this realm, this thing called the jhana. The samadhi. You can't bring that stuff in here. It has to be left outside. The only person preventing you from going in there is you. So you're allowed to leave those things outside. There's no obligation in your sense of what it is to be even a good person to have those things. He's saying drop those things. There's some great examples of monks and nuns who were, lived a less than admirable life before they were, and they got in there. They did a lot worse things than anybody in this room ever thought of doing. <laughs> and they got in there. So you're allowed to. You're allowed to get in there. This is something, this is a social voice within us that makes us think we have to talk to ourselves in a certain way and scold ourselves in a certain way. But the Buddha is just saying, look, you know, I'm telling you, you don't have to do that. You really can drop that. If you do, you will be rewarded. And that actually is something called faith. So you're, you're actually taking a chance on this. You're going to say, look, this is the famous Buddha. I mean, this is what he's saying. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to do this. Why don't I just take him up on it? Why don't I just stop that stuff that I always do and see if I can. Just test him. See if it's true that you can do this. And if you can, that's nice to know. (laughs) That's something. That you can actually step into that freedom. You're not compelled by that. You're not bound by that. You're not obliged by that. You can actually drop that stuff. And then see. And remember, he said it, it's going to feel good. And so just test him on that as well. So, yeah. It will feel good. How can it not feel good? It's just automatic. It's, again, he's saying, he gives that beautiful simile of rain falling and then turning into rivulets and then into streams and into ponds and into waterfalls and into rivers and then flowing to the ocean. He says, none of that is, you don't have to wish for any of that. You don't have to hope that the rivulet turns into a stream or that when the pond fills up that it'll overflow. You don't have to hope that it happens. It does. It just does. So this is his uh, simile for the positive This is the transcendental dependent origination. Transcendental in the positive direction. It's just rain accumulating streams and overflowing. And this is the word he uses, there is no need to wish. If one has fulfilled this primary condition, there is no need to wish. May this happen. For instance, samadhi. For one who has samadhi, there is no need to wish. May wisdom arise. Wisdom rises and swells out of samadhi. If one has confidence, this is a form of faith in this process, there is no need to wish. May joy and serenity arise. Joy and serenity arises naturally out of that. Trust, confidence, faith in that. In that you're allowed to do that. These are natural processes that just flow in that direction. So that's, you have to test it, you know, give it a shot. So I leave that for your reflection tonight.